What's going on, my friends? Welcome to today's Seven Figures Club podcast. Again, the purpose of this podcast is to get you guys into the Seven Figures Club, where the top 5% of business owners reside, generating a million dollars a year in income. So today we've got uh, Stefan Georgie, who is a direct response copywriter whose words have grossed over $700 million. He is the inventor of the RMBC method, which is a systematic approach to writing better sales copy more consistently in less time. He's the co-founder of Copy Accelerator, a high-end copywriting mastermind whose 170 members generate over 1.5 billion with a B billion dollars in annual sales. My friends, that is just the start. So if you guys wanna get better at writing copy, which pretty much is the starting point for everything you do as a business owner, then you're going to want to pay attention. You're going to want to take notes. And at the end of this episode, we're going to have an amazing action item for you to take where he is going to have an amazing um, piece of information that you're going to be able to take to take that next step to to become a great copywriter. So Stefan, welcome to the show. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Now, we'd love to begin here by finding out more about your backgrounds and and what led you down a path to entrepreneurship. Were there some key events growing up or, you know, as you came into adulthood, uh, went into your career, did you kind of begin, you know, immediately as an entrepreneur? Did you start out working somewhere first? What Tell us a little bit about that path towards entrepreneurship. For sure. So I've always been a bit entrepreneurial, I guess. Um like one one interesting thing I don't talk about on on podcasts, but I'll, I'll bring it up is like my dad was the first employee for a loudspeaker company. So back in like the seventies and eighties, and loudspeakers were more of a thing. And so he was like the first employee, and he ended up getting this really small little wow. equity in it. Um, but growing up, like we were you know comfortably middle class most of the time, and then sometimes the company was like struggling, and then he would struggle because he was tied to that. But like overall, pretty pretty comfortable. But uh, you know, we would have like his, the, the two founders of the company over to our house occasionally for like dinner and stuff. And it was like your dad's business partners, but there's always this kind of layer, this like gap between them and my dad. It was like, they liked him, but they were just on this different stratosphere. And, you know, to the point where later on in life, they're like buying jets and stuff like that. Right. And he was never on that level. And so I think early on, like even at a very young age, they're both like very nice people. It's nothing against them. It just it, something sat with me about that difference of employee versus business owner. Um, and I think even when I was a little kid, that kind of put something in me to where I, I didn't want to be. I wanted like an equal seat at any table I was at, and I saw entrepreneurship as a, as a path to getting there. So kind of a deep opening answer, but um, yeah, that was it. And then from like a young age of like selling 
like painted rocks when I was like five. I would like we would take rocks from a gravel parking lot where like the condo we would be at was and paint them and sell them to people and uh up to middle school selling contraband and things like that, you know, being a bad kid or whatever. And um and then eventually, you know, fell into copywriting, which and, and really digital marketing and entrepreneurship and, and the more true sense. And I haven't looked back because that was really great to to discover it. Awesome. So growing up there, your dad has you know, some entrepreneurial, uh, creative uh, abilities there. He gets connected. And that's kind of what it happens, right? We, we see somebody, we admire, we wonder how they did it. And then ultimately, we want to follow that roadmap to success that they're kind of leaving out there for us. Well, when it comes to copywriting, you know, there's uh, there, there's just no shortage of uses your emails. If you want your emails to be open, you're building that email list. And if you're a business owner, a side hustler, someone who's building something, listening to this podcast, you should absolutely be building that email list. That's still incredibly valuable. That's something that you own even more sometimes than your social media following, which you don't technically own. You're kind of borrowing and utilizing on that uh, platform. But when you own that name and that email address or that phone number where you can reach out with, with texts and emails and email campaigns, that's very powerful. However, if you don't have great headlines and great copy. People are not going to read those when you're doing your social media posts, if you're building a YouTube channel, whatever it is you're doing, podcasts, all of these things are fueled and much more successful when you understand copywriting. So for everybody listening who's hearing, oh, copywriting, and they're not not exactly certain, they, they know it kind of means, you know, putting together the right uh, words and phrases. How would you kind of define copywriting? And more importantly, what makes successful copywriting? Sure. It's a great question. So, you know, copywriting is really just writing ads on a fundamental level, right? Writing advertisements. Uh, the way the, what I specialize in is direct response copywriting, which is really mm, writing yes. advertisements where you're trying to get your prospect, right, your prospective customer um, or someone in your market to, to take action and respond. So that can, and that comes mm. through a call to action. And that could be, you know, pick up the phone and call now to order. It could be click the button and buy. It could be, uh, you know, opt into my email list. It could be any number of things, but we're really looking for them to take a, the prospect to have a direct response to our, our copy and our advertising. So really that's as simple as it is and, it, and it's everywhere. I think, you know, to your point, it really like direct response copy elements can be applied at, like even on in-person sales conversations, phone sales conversations, speaking from stage, presenting, right? Because really uh, it's about building rapport and authentic connection with whoever your audience is, really almost winning them over, having them see themselves inside of you know, your journey or the product, um, you know, the product's journey or the, the brand and the identity of the brand, things like that. Uh, and then eventually, you know, getting them to take action and, and to buy. So what makes really good copy and especially direct response copy, I think number one is curiosity is really important. I mean, the, really the two biggest are curiosity and emotion. And oh, there's yeah. actually a whole neuroscience component to that too, right? So when you're curious, um, it starts activating your brain's like reward circuitry because essentially you're thinking like, ooh, I'm, you know, a riddle, like I'm going to get a payoff to this. Like, uh, you know, like when, when we're curious, but also it's, it's creating an itch that we know might get scratched. And that basically starts to get the flow of dopamine going. Um, emotion and really the experience of emotions is all like very dopamine driven too. And so really like we want to have in our copy to either 
create curiosity about something or to have people feel an emotional connection with our words. So those are two of the biggest things. And if I was going to say a third, it would be just remembering kind of with them, what's in it for me, because so many times as marketers, entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, we want to like, we love our product or our brand or our story, but we get so into telling it that we forget to relate it back to the consumer or the prospect. So just little things like tying something back to them, conversational language of, you know, sound familiar, but maybe you can relate to this, you know, I, depending on your tone, like, I don't know if you've ever experienced something like this, but this is what we were experiencing, which experiencing, which is why we created a better way, you know, just really tying it back to the prospect. Uh, Cause you can have a great emotional story, but if the, 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 eventually the prospects like, man, I'm sorry, this happened to you. Or like, wow, it's great. This happened to you. But like, I got to go off my day. Like, why am I listening to this or reading this or watching this? So it has to relate back to them. Exactly. It's very powerful. A lot of value bombs that Stefan just dropped for you guys. So pay attention here. He talked about having, you know, headlines and, and copy text that is curiosity-based. Getting someone to be curious about something is super key because then they want to learn more about it. They naturally are taking action. Uh, I never heard that there's actually a dopamine response. So they're actually feeling rewarded as they go down the rabbit hole. So it's super important that you guys have curiosity-based themes and headlines to grab someone's attention, make them think, oh, that's interesting. Or, wow, what is this secret that they're talking about in the headline? And then, of course, as they take action there, understanding that as awesome as your product or service might be in the benefits, what's more important is what's in it for your prospect. How is this going to help them? And it's, I think especially identifying, you know, what is their pain point or problem that they're struggling with? And how does your product or service solve that problem for them? Now, one of the things, Stefan, that you talk uh, about here is kind of this connection a little bit between you know, poker players and copywriters, and especially how, you know, as a copywriter and, and so forth, uh, it's important to be able to overcome objections. What do you mean about there being some sort of commonality between poker players and copywriters? I think the the biggest thing, and, and so essentially when I was, um, not essentially, but when I was 18, I was sort of a semi-pro poker player. I was living in San Diego, and they had Indian casinos where you could play at age 18. Uh, this was like 2004, nice. so 2003, Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker, and, and it got really popular. I had started playing with friends a year or two before, so I kind of had a little bit of an edge, and then got really into it. I bought all these books. I, I read, I studied, um, you know, like every poker book you can imagine, from like Caro's Book of Tells to Super Systems to Phil Humbu's book to like, like tons of them, right? Um, yeah. And and I was like winning. So every at 18, I would go to like the Indian casino every day after school. I'd, I'd come home, nap, and then go and then play for a couple hours. And my goal was just win $200. If I won $200, great. If I lost $200, I left. I won way more often than I lost. And it was this really liberating thing to the point where my parents were kind of iffy about it at the start. And then I stopped asking them for money ever. And I'm just like, you know, really happy and, and buying my own stuff and have like a savings account. And they're like, all right, never keep doing that. Right. Um, but you know, from, from that point early on, I kind of start, you learn a lot at a poker table. I mean, there's a lot of things. I think like one is judging people by, you know, not what they say, but what they do, because you'll see that yeah. at a poker table, right? Oh, yeah. And can, I mean, bluffing alone, people might you know say one thing, but, but they, their actions tell you something different. And that might be the way they bet, or it might be their body language or, or some combination of things. Uh, so 
you know, that comes into when you're even selling and, and like research, for example, like your, your prospects might give you some surface level answer about their pain point. But if you go look into like forums, for example, like our Reddit threads or whatever, where your prospects hanging out and where they're more anonymous and they're sort of going to share in this case, it's still, I guess, same or same, but the difference is the anonymity. But the point is like, it's not just, you don't take it the surface level thing and accept it. You sort of dig deeper and you'll see that they might give you like a lot of secret reasons why, uh, you know, this pain point really causes them so much distress or why they really haven't bought a product or whatever it is. So it's kind of going layers deeper, which you have to do to be a, a really successful poker player. And uh, so yeah, that's just one, one such example. I mean, another quick one is, I guess just noting how you can, for lack of a better word, manipulate people's responses and behavior. And I don't mean that in like an evil way, but I just remember times where people would go on, people who were masterful at the table of pissing everyone else off. And then once people got pissed off and got off kilter, how they, those people would then make irrational, poor, bad decisions. Uh, but it was really just for like very small things that somebody could do to like send them on a tilt. And so um, kind of, I guess, realizing how quickly someone's mood can change and, and how quickly someone's emotional state can change, both for, from worse to better, but also from, from better to worse. And so, uh, yeah, some interesting commonalities there. That's a perfect segue kind of into the, the next uh, part of this, which is, you know, your expertise and, and kind of unique way of creating uh, emotional response marketing and how that works, because, you know, as human beings, we are powered by emotions. So what is kind of emotional response marketing and how can you harness it and implement it in your business? So I think this is a really underrated thing and, and partially my fault for not doing more to talk about it because I kind of, I don't know if I'm not the first person ever to use the term, but I'm, I'm really one of the only people who's popularize it a little bit, but essentially the idea is that if direct response marketing is getting a prospect to directly respond and take an external action, like clicking, calling, whatever it is, then emotional response marketing is about using authentic storytelling and rapport building to get the prospect to feel an internal reaction. So it's less about, you know, it's not an outside action, it's an internal reaction, but what happens if somebody feels that if you're making them feel those emotional feelings and they're making the prospect feel connected to you, then when you do ask them to buy, they end up buying a lot more and they become a more loyal customer and you know, the longevity and lifetime value, all those things increase. So the lifetime value. So it really comes down to what I mentioned there about like authentic storytelling and vulnerability. Uh, there's something like, I'm going to, this, this is just ballpark stats, but I remember seeing something where it was like 90% of small business owners felt like their brand was authentic and then only like 50% of consumers agree that the same brands were authentic, right? So, and it's becoming increasingly important. Like if you'll see that consumers want to look at brands as like entities, they want to feel like emotionally connected to brands. They want to feel like they have a relationship with brands and authenticity is a huge uh, motivator behind that. And so really, if you're not being authentic and honest, like it, it comes through. So quick tangible examples that are, you know, like, like, a restaurant, let's like, for example, you know, many of us are on an email list for a restaurant and occasionally you get something about like some half off wine night, or maybe they're doing like a wine tasting or there's like a coupon, but you don't get emails from like the chef about how when they were like a little girl, their parents told them that girls don't make like professional chefs and that like they should just like get a husband and how that then led them to be pissed off and they went out and traveled the world and 
just found a love of cuisines and brought those recipes to the restaurant. You don't get emails telling the stories of the people in the kitchen and how they got to where they were, whether it's like the sous chef or like a line cook or whatever it is, right? You don't get the story of how they leased the building and had to beat out three other like, you know, men in suits. And they were like this, like, you know, whatever, like a, like woman and, and who, who was discounted by everybody. I'm just using that as an example, right? Of a restaurant, yeah, um, a real That's estate agent. You get the crappiest emails from them about, you know, interest rates are going up, but it's still a great time to buy and a great time to sell. Like, you know, they're never like their emails are always just like, you know, about interest rates and, and then just like, oh, lots of demand. So the, the sky can be on fire. Be like, no, 2009, like great time to buy or sell. Right. It's just complete BS. And you know it. And you're like, like, there's there's oh, exceptions. Yeah. I know a few good realtors who who have great emails to their list. But same thing there. What if it's a story about when they were you know doing a home tour of a, a couple and the couple, like I have an example of where it's like, it could start like, you know, I was in the bathroom for 10 minutes straight and the clients were starting to get nervous. And it could go on about how, you know, the realtor found like a, the water was running and most people would just ignore that. But she sort of looked at the wall and then saw that, like, the, that there might be some plumbing issue. And it turned out there was, and it saved her clients from going and putting an earnest money deposit down and all of this and how she actually cares when most people don't like these such better emails. And so really almost every business could be doing this type of marketing. And I know businesses who have from Paul Saladino, who does, um, they wrote the carnivore code and has like a supplement company. Uh, I just did it for like the attorney general for the state of Arizona. And like, we started raising way more money. Oh, that's awesome. we were doing that during, like, I've, I've used it now. I've case studies of it. And I don't have the time to build this out as much as I would like to, but it's really one easy thing that everyone can, can do is start like actually, uh, just telling more authentic, honest stories. And, and you'll be amazed at how much more people connect with you and your brand. And then ultimately buy more from you and give you more money too. Guys, what a huge value bomb that uh, Stefan just dropped there. Your ability to tell a good story makes all the difference. I think there's a lot of sayings or data out there that facts are easily forgotten, but stories are what people remember. And so anytime you can attach a great personal story around your business service product or brand, that's going to set you apart from everyone else. And as example, he's sharing, you know, all these realtors and other people that kind of just stick to the same old boring stuff that's not even true versus a very real, authentic and personal story is going to connect on a much higher uh, percentage and, and rate than anything else that you can do. And by being authentic and, and sharing that, that's where you're going to be able to get a lot of great relationships and bring clients back over and over again. Um, one quick question that uh, I found interesting as I was uh, reading through some of the strategies uh, that you talk about is kind of the importance of asking paradoxical questions as a way to kind of get people moving forward. What do you mean by, you know, asking paradoxical questions and why is that so effective? So paradoxical questions are, are almost like riddles. And the short answer is curiosity, going back to curiosity. If you look at, there it is. for example, on um, like on reels, like if you go to your Facebook and, and you see the reels or whatever sort of stories, you'll see these riddles all the time. Now. Someone has a sign up and it's like, you know, I'm older than my sister, but younger than my brother, but I'm only whatever. How old am I? And it's like, and those things will have like, 8 million views, like 15 million views, right? And all they are, it's like a huge, which by the way, is something you could test as an ad for the people watching, like testing those sorts of riddle things with like, you know, incorporating that into your marketing and your lead gen because they're they're crushing it, but they're crushing it for just people who are trying to get views and engagement who probably don't know what they're doing with them exactly, except for that they want a lot of likes and followers. But the point is it, it gets that brain going and creates that curiosity. And so, you know, paradoxical questions, it, it's just simple things that, that get people 
stop and it resets the paradigm and, and increases curiosity. So a classic one was like the French paradox, which was like French people have some of the lowest rates of heart disease in the world. And yet they eat cheese and fatty foods and drink wine and smoke cigarettes. Like, why is it? And the answer was like, well, it's the red wine and resveratrol, which is one of the ingredients, which has been linked to longevity. Yeah, and that's yeah. fine, right. There's one from a, a language learning thing called Pimsleur approach. And it was sort of like, why is it so easy for a kid to learn a new language, but so hard for an adult? Because you're like, well, that, yeah, that's interesting. Because a kid, like, you don't even put them in school. They just pick up and learn, like, English, right? But as an adult, we have a really hard time learning a new language. And in this case, it was like, well, kids learn by listening. As an adult, they teach you uh, by, through speaking. But really, you should actually listen to learn. This is our unique methodology that helps you learn language more quickly and effectively. So it, it creates all the curiosity, but then also sets up your product, right? So if you're selling resveratrol or the Pimsleur method or whatever it is, then, like, it's sort of you've reset the paradigm, you've gotten curiosity. And then when people, now they're accepting a new possibility because their mind's been blown or it's at least more open. Then when you present your product or offer, they're more receptive to taking that and, and trying it out. Outstanding, outstanding. So a lot of uh, people, you know, business owners, uh, side hustlers, they're listening here and they're realizing this is such a powerful weapon. There's a reason why, Copywriters like Stefan are literally paid, you know, profit shares and massive, massive, uh, you know, five and, and six figure fees just to put together great sales funnel and great copy. Because when you have the right wording and the right process, it converts, it inspires, it brings people together. And so for everybody listening, trying to figure out, well, how can I improve my copywriting or maybe even, you know, maybe I should be looking to hire somebody What's kind of that next step? Where can they go? How can they connect up, uh, you know, with you and and learn these skills or even hire someone like you or, you know, someone in the network who can help them? What's kind of that next step and where can they go to kind of take action and be proactive to make this happen? Yeah. So so two things. I mean, for everyone who needs a copywriter, essentially, I've got you covered because I've got like a pause on hundreds and hundreds of copywriters from all levels and from kind Ooh, of really people nice. who are not going to charge you that much to like super high level people who are going to charge a lot, but you know, are also often worth it. And if you talk to me about it, I'll, I'll connect you to the ones who are actually worth it, not the ones who charge a lot and who suck. Right. Um, which is Very always nice. good because it's, it's, you know, um, so you, easy, one easy thing. And I've got a, a kind of a thing I'll, I'll offer in a second, like um, for free, but, but just find on Instagram at, at Stefan Georgi, S T E F A N. G-E-O-R-G-I. You can find me on Facebook too. I know there's people in a Facebook group watching right now. So just find me and message me or, or friend request me or whatever. Uh, and then you can go to like, my website is, is stephanpaulgeorgi.com. But I've also got, to make it even easier, if you go to SPG, which are my initials, stephanpaulgeorgi.fun, F-U-N, forward slash research, then essentially um, you put in your email address and you'll get uh, the first, the research component of my RMBC method, which shows you how to do psychographic research that goes pretty deep into your market, whether you want to kind of understand prospects better or even existing customers and their hopes and dreams and victories and failures. So you'll get that. And then it'll put you on my email list, which is a really good email list. Obviously you can unsubscribe or tell me to screw off. I don't spam. I don't really promote a bunch of other stuff, uh, but it's, uh, and I email almost every day. And a lot of times I'll go like a month straight where I'm just putting value bombs. And then I might have like right now I'm in the middle of, of enrollment for my lower tier mentorship program. So 
till tomorrow night, you'll get emails about that, but then I'm not going to push anything afterwards. So anyway, spg.fun forward slash research. It's a really nice uh, kind of uh, thing. I mean, it's great for no matter what kind of ads, just general understanding of your market, like long form copy, emails, whatever it is, is a really nice um, kind of framework and template that I'm providing. Outstanding. Uh, give us that uh, website uh, one more time. It was spg.fun and then forward slash research. Okay. spg.fun forward slash research, guys. Take action, get access to that, learn more. This is one of those skill sets that's not taught in college, it's not taught in school. And yet, this is literally a seven, eight figure tool and mindset and ability and skill set that if you can learn it, even if you're going to hire someone, you still want to be able to understand the dynamics and the psychology behind it, that people respond to curiosity-based headlines and themes, that they want to connect with you individually, not as maybe a company. They want your story. They want it to be authentic. That's what people are looking for. And it's all about reputation and the value that you bring people. And if you have the right copy that speaks to them in terms of the solution that you're going to give for the problem they have, that's going to mean everything. And sometimes you just need to hire someone. So reach out to take action. Uh, you can connect uh, with Stefan and be connected with the copywriter. And even if you do go that route, you still want to learn about this because it's such a valuable skill and it can make you so, so powerful as you build a business, product, service, and brand. So amazing stuff and amazing value that Stefan has shared with us today. Uh, Stefan, the final word is yours about the importance of copywriting and the next steps that people can take today as they go to your site. Well, I would just say... Thank you, everyone, for for joining and um, listening. And yeah, I mean, check out what I mentioned that that giveaway and, and message me seriously, because there's a lot of incredible copywriters out there, and then there's a lot of people who like the idea of being a copywriter because they think it means they'll get paid lots of money and that they won't have to work very hard. And so I can help you avoid those people and get the right people. And I don't get I'm not taking a middleman fee. I just have people in my communities that I that it helps them, which helps me, which helps you. It's like a perfect. You know, it's a good thing. Yeah, good I love thing. it. So yeah. that's all. And besides that, yeah, I agree. I mean, take your marketing seriously, and and you'll go far, right? So, um, yeah, just hopefully some people under maybe further appreciate the value of copywriting and uh, after this conversation. Remember, this is not a passive podcast. This is an action taking. Implement what you learn as you go. Take action. So go to those websites. Learn about this. Uh, understand the importance and the psychology behind successful copywriting and especially this uh, this emotional response method that uh, Stefan has put together and get that implemented in your business. Stefan, thank you for being a guest. Yeah, thank you. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.